guys sound good. Hug somebody before you sit down. Tell them you look good. I don't know what location you're at today, but Littleton campus is buzzing. It must be because you all get to sit inside this weekend. For those of you who don't know, um, obviously, you know, it was Easter last weekend, but, um, and I know that there are a lot of you who came last week and brought family and friends and you were in lobbies and hallways and standing and all that stuff. Um, here at Littleton campus, there were hundreds of people who literally couldn't fit in the building and were sitting outside for service. So although I'm sorry, can we also take just a second and celebrate the thousands of people that we got to tell about the love of Jesus last weekend? And hey, would you really make some noise? Because several hundreds of people put their lives in Jesus's hands for the very first time last weekend. So fun getting to be a part of the local church. Hey, listen, if you're visiting, no matter where you're visiting from, we want you to know this. We're a bunch of imperfect people, but we love to get together and pursue a perfect God. And so no matter what's going on in your life, we say this almost every week, but I want to make sure you know, no matter what's going on in your life, whether you feel like I've never been closer to God than I am in this moment, or whether you think I'm not sure if I've ever been farther from God, whatever the case may be, I want you to know in this place, you're going to be welcomed. You're going to be loved and valued and accepted, and we're glad you're here. In fact, today we're starting a brand new teaching series called Welcome Home, and for the next four or five weeks, that's what we're going to talk about is how God has done that for every single one of us, and now we turn around as individuals and as a church family and do the very best we can at that for everybody who wants to come check this place out and, and wants to hear what God's been doing in our lives. And so I w let me say this, over the next month, you may not have a, a better opportunity for the rest of the year to invite somebody to church um, over the next month here at Red Rocks because we're going to be in Luke 15. We're going to be talking about the lost coin, lost son, lost sheep, and, and how much God loves and accepts and values and welcomes every single one of us. So it's the perfect time to bring somebody with you to one of our services. Now, let me, I want to announce something before we get into today's message. Um, we have, sorry, I'm using my phone and I knew I shouldn't have because I just got a text. Leave me alone, Parks. <laughs> Although, here's what he just texted me. I'm not even kidding. Last year, 2018, it looks like 4,400 people put their faith in Christ. That's pretty awesome, church. That's a good text. I'll let him interrupt me for that. Although, stop texting me. All right. The first weekend in June, we're going to do what will be one of the best weekends of the year. It will be baptism weekend here at the church. And if you've never been to one, just wait. Trust me. You kind of go, eh, maybe that's the week I skip. Trust me. After you walk away from baptism weekend, you'll go, that's one of the best church services I've ever been to in my life. And it's not, and it's, and maybe part of the, what worked well is the pastors didn't say a word. But what we heard was life transformation story after life transformation story after life transformation story. That preaches. So you don't want to miss this, but what, the reason I wanted to bring it to your attention before we get into the rest of today's service is uh, because I want to give you an opportunity to sign up, and I want to give you an opportunity to also sign up and click an extra button that says, I'll share my video testimony. 
So let me just read a couple verses and I'll tell you why we believe this is so important. Matthew 28, 19. Go ahead and put that up there if you would. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Say this word with me. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That was the very last thing Jesus said before he ascended back up into heaven. That's how important this is. He said, before I go, let me make sure you know what the job is. Go help people find faith in me, life change in me, salvation in me, and then baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Acts 2.38 says this, repent and be who? Every one of you. So you don't have to go ask somebody. You don't have to get counsel. You don't even have to pray about it. You just need to sign up and do it. Getting baptized is your first opportunity as someone who has put their faith in Jesus to be obedient to Christ. The first chance you have to say, I'm not just trying to follow you, but I'm going to also be obedient. The first chance you have to be obedient is baptism. Baptism is, is this symbolic act where the old self goes under the water and we are washed by the blood of Jesus is what the word says. The blood that he shed on the cross paid the price for our sins, made us perfect in his sight. And we come up out of the water, washed clean, a brand new creation in Christ. The symbolism is amazing. And when you decide to get baptized, you're not saying I'm going to be perfect. You're just saying from this point on to the best of my ability, I'm going to draw a line in the sand and I'm going to be with Jesus. That's, that's how I want to be identified. That's what we're doing when we get baptized. So please, before you leave today, get your phone out, get the app, and just sign up to get baptized. There's a button on the app. You click it. You can sign up to get baptized. After you pick your location, there'll be a question right around where it asks you um, where and what service you want to be baptized at. You can click another button that says video testimony. I want to encourage a whole bunch of you. Don't just get baptized, but also sign up. And until we get full, we're going to share stories. Sign up to share your testimony. And here's why. Last verse, and then I'll shut up. Revelation 12, 11. They triumphed over him. This is talking about how Satan is defeated by the blood of the lamb. That's what Jesus did on the cross. And by the word of their. That's why we get so serious about saying, would you share your testimony? Because it will help you and other people defeat what Satan wants to do in our lives. There's power in our testimonies. So would you sign up today to get baptized? Would you sign up today to share your testimony? We got a lot of good things in store. We're starting this brand new series today called Welcome Home. And so church at every single location, will you make some serious noise for my brother from another mother, Ronnie Bass. Come on, Red Rocks, you can do better than that. Can you make some noise? Do you like who you're sitting next to? Littleton does, Lakewood, Arvada, Brussels, Austin, GBB. I hope you guys like who you're sitting next to. I was having some dinner with my wife this week, and uh, we bumped into a, a couple. They kind of flagged us down, and we went over there, and they're like, are you Ronnie? And I'm like, yeah, I am. 
And they said, we go to Red Rocks. And I'm like, that's amazing. This is so cool. You can go, you know, a couple cities away and, and, and bump into people that you go to church with. And, and then they said, and, and, and they go to Red Rocks also. And I look over and another couple's over there kind of waving. And, and they said, and they also go to Red Rocks. And they point to a third table and they, they're waving too. And, and I left there just feeling super honored to be a part of a family that stretches very, very wide. We can go overseas and find people that are part of the Red Rocks Church family. We can go to other cities in Denver, Colorado and meet people that are a part of the Red Rocks Church family. And I was just reminded what we're a part of as a church is pretty miraculous. It's something that most churches throughout the generations will never have an opportunity to experience. And God is allowing us to be a part of it. And I hope that we'll just lean into it and enjoy it and savor it because it's a move of God. I was thinking too, I was laughing, and our church is a little bit like a, a redneck family. You just kind of walk throughout the city, and right there's my brother. Over there, he's my brother too. That guy's my brother. And it's a long story, but that guy's my brother too. And so Red Rocks Church, would you do me a favor at all of our locations? Can you put your hands together and help me welcome all of our brothers from all across the city, Arvada, Lakewood, Littleton, Austin, Texas, Brussels, Belgium, and make some serious noise for everybody that's watching at our God Behind Bars campuses. We love you so much. I'm excited, and speaking of family, since we saw each other last, my family got a little bit bigger. Red Rocks Church, I'd like to introduce you to my firstborn son, Ronnie number four. We got a picture. Look at that little legend. What a stud. Handsome like his dad. My wife and I, we got creative. He, he's going to bear my name, and so he's going to be Ronnie the Fourth. And so we just said, we can't just call him Ronnie because that's just redundant. So let's get really creative. So we, we decided to give him a nickname, and we took R from his first name, and then IV, the Roman numeral four, and we smashed them together, and then we mispronounced it. So we're calling him Rive. And everyone else is going, what a millennial. Just give him a normal name. Rive, what a legend. Can we pray together? Jesus, I just thank you. It is so good to be with family. God, I pray that we would never take for granted these moments where we get an opportunity to sit next to people that are going through life, going through challenges, going through struggles. Jesus, we walked into this room or wherever we're watching this from with a story. And God, Thankfully, you've given us the body of Christ, a, a large family that isn't just Red Rocks, but it goes around the world. It's global. It's growing. It is thriving. God, it's a family to do life together with. It's a family to belong in. It's a family where we are welcome no matter what we bring to the table. And God, I just thank you that as we look to your word today, Lord, would you do something so profound in and through us? And it's in the precious name of Jesus Christ and every single person at Red Rocks Church said, amen, amen. amen. Have you ever had a leaky tire? Everyone's like, where's this going? 
For the longest time, I, I drove this old Honda Civic, and uh, the rear tire would always leak. And we checked for, for any sort of punctures, and we couldn't find anything. We figured it's probably something with the, with the wheel itself, and it just doesn't really hold air, and so it leaks all the time. And so it's just part of my daily rhythm where I would go and I'd fill up the tire, help me get to where I'm going. And sometimes in the middle of journeys, you'd realize your, your tire's pretty low, and if you don't get to a gas station really fast, you're going to have some big problems. And this, this leak could keep me from getting to the places where I wanted to go. And I was listening to a, a preacher not too long ago, and he said something that I thought was really profound. He said, vision leaks. Vision leaks. And I thought back to my old Honda Civic, and I just thought, man, how apropos is that if you've ever led teams, if you've ever tried to lead a family, if you've tried to ever lead your life, Maybe for those of you who have tried to have New Year's resolutions, you know that vision can leak. And what's meant by that is over time, sometimes the vision that we set in front of us, the vision we set in front of our teams, for our families, the goal of losing some weight at the new year, over time, that vision begins to dwindle. It leaks. It's just natural. It's just part of human nature. And as I was thinking about this weekend, we're launching into a, a series where we're going to talk about who we are as a church. And for many of us, we're going to remember a lot of these things. We're going to go, oh, yeah, that's who we are. That's, that's who we are. They say that all the time. But it's so good for us to go back to the vision of what this house was founded upon because for most of us, vision leaks. Lean to your neighbor and say, vision leaks. Vision leaks. And we're going to take a look out of Luke 15. It's this story where the prodigal son is located, and um, it, it's been labeled as one of the greatest short stories ever written. And I wanted to take some time this weekend to talk through kind of the setting of Luke 15. We've gone over this story over the course of the years. If you've been going to Red Rocks Church for a while, you know that this story is really central to who we are as a church and I wanted to take a quick moment and, and kind of set the scene for us, if we will. If you've got your Bible, open up to Luke 15. We're going to start in verse 1. And it says this in verse 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. Verse 2 says, but the Pharisees, these are the religious guys of the day, for those of you that are new, and the teachers of the law murmured. This man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. This man is talking about Jesus. He welcomes sinners and he eats with them. And let me just set the scene for you if I can. Jesus is there and he's teaching on what it means to be a part of the kingdom. And he's doing all these amazing signs and wonders. And he's preaching. And, and some of the religious community is watching from a distance. And they're taking note of who's in the crowd. They're looking around and they're recognizing people. And it says that they lean over to one another after they've noticed that notorious sinners and tax collectors are, are surrounding Jesus to hear his messages. They lean over to one another and they go, who is this guy? Like, look at the people that he's attracting. He's attracting just a bunch of ruckus. He's attracting people of the worst kind. And, and they lean into one another and they say, he, he, this man, he even welcomes sinners and even eats with them. Let me just give you a little bit of context because what's taking place here is, is really profound. If we just read this at surface level, we go, okay, so there's tax collectors, right? Like Jesus is preaching and his CPA is in the room, <laughs> right? 
the staff from H&R Block is there. <laughs> but that's not necessarily what a tax collector is or who they were. If you're familiar with some of the scriptures, you know that tax collectors during this time, they were kind of a lousy bunch. They were pretty unethical and they were kind of known for being thieves. And so in our minds, you can kind of just project upon them that maybe they were a type of people that, that they were supposed to get, bring in $100 and they brought in 120 and then they pocketed a little for themselves. Unethical guys, not a big deal. Why wouldn't Jesus preach to these guys? How come they wouldn't be welcome? But that's not necessarily who these tax collectors were. You see, during this time, just a quick history lesson, during this time, Rome ruled a large portion of the world. It's, it, it, was, it was noted from England all the way to India, Rome ruled. Now, in this day and age with technology and our ability to communicate, that's not really that big of a deal. We could, we could rule a nation or an empire of that, of that magnitude because we have the ability to communicate. We have, we have technology. We have weaponry that if in a moment's notice somebody begins to revolt with the click of a button, we can bomb them. With the click of a button, a, a, a whole army is going to be dropping soldiers from helicopters and going to be taking care of the situation, but not during this time. How is it that you could control from, from England all the way to India with no email, with no cell phones, with no cars, with no airplanes, with no boats, with no sophisticated weaponry? How do you control you do so through fear. But how do you evoke fear throughout that big of a territory? You do it through having a huge army. And how do you have a huge army? You tax the people extravagantly. And it was said historically that, that, that Rome was a superpower during this time, but they were a brutal bunch. And they would actually go from territory to territory, pillaging entire cities, killing all of the men, women, and children. And before they murdered them, they would rape the women and the children. There's one historical account where, where Rome goes into a territory and they kill 20,000 people. Before doing so, they rape the women and children, and then they crucify them along the streets. As you drive through the city, as you walk through the city, you can just see bodies of children, the elderly, women, men. It's just a reminder all around you not to mess with Rome. And all the while in your community, there's a tax collector. And it's his job to take money from you to pay Rome, to pay the soldiers to pay the people that could have raped and murdered your family. When it says that the tax collectors came to hear from Jesus, this is the weightiness that is meant to be felt when you're hearing tax collectors are coming to Jesus. Like, I don't even know any of these tax collectors and I wanna punch them in the face, right? Like, this is, this is really weighty. And it also says that it wasn't just tax collectors that were there, but it was also sinners. And this word sinner doesn't just mean sinners. Like we, we all, the Bible says we all fall short, the glory of God. We've all sinned, right? Like it's not talking about commonality, like where we all sinned and we, we all fall short. These sinners, it was a title, a status symbol within their communities. These were notorious sinners. 
These were the prostitutes. These were the thieves. These were people that had given up on religion. These were people that walked out of the church and said, listen, I, I don't even want to try to attempt this whole religion thing. We've, they've just given up. These were the sinners of the day. But there's also this twisted angle because during this time of history, it was believed that people that were born with infirmities or disabilities, that these were a byproduct of sin in their life. So if someone was born blind, they didn't really extend mercy to this person because it's just a byproduct of their sin. It's a byproduct of their parents' sin. There's actually a story in John 9 where Jesus is about to heal a boy that was born blind. And the Pharisees come in and they're saying, Jesus, is this man blind because of his father's sin or because of his mother's sin? So messed up. I couldn't agree anymore. So th this is what's happening culturally. They're, they're looking at these people going, listen, the, the, the sick are here. The perverted are here. The people that have given up on religion are here. The people that are taking in taxes to pay for Roman military that actually pillages cities and rapes our women and children and kills our men. This is Jesus' audience. You can see why the Pharisees of the day might be a little bit mad that these people are there. You could see why they might be a little bit mad that Jesus seems to be welcoming them. He seems to almost be enjoying their presence. You could see the tension of the moment. How is it that somebody that is professing to be God, how could it be that he would enjoy people like that? And he says, they grumbled amongst themselves because Jesus welcomed them. And even ate with them. And here the Pharisees are. They're dumbfounded. They're going, how on earth could this God in the flesh, this Messiah, like why would he be drawing people like this? He's, he'd clearly, if he's going to want to spend time with anybody, he'd want to spend time with the Pharisees. The Pharisees get a bad rap from you and I because we kind of see the negative aspects of them when we read Scripture. But during this time, nobody's going to take religion more seriously than the Pharisees of the day. Like these guys are all in. They're counting the cost. When it comes to religion, I'm sorry to tell you this, they're just better than you. They're more disciplined. When you wake up at eight to read your five verses, they're going for weeks and months and years on end studying the scriptures. The Bible says that the Pharisees memorized the Torah. The, the, the Torah is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. They've memorized it word for word, verbatim. These guys are better than you. And these are the guys that are listening, going, why would Jesus receive people like that? Like, I've given my life for this whole religion thing, and he, he seems to be welcoming people like this. Like, I don't know about you, but when I do the Bible reading plan... It's usually Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers that just wipes me out. I'm like, ah, I just I give up. I give up. I'm going to Matthew. <laughs> Don't judge me. You do the same thing. We, if most of us, we've never even read some of these. And they've memorized them. They are better at religion than us. We like to bash these guys, but these guys were no joke. And you can feel the tension, these men on one hand that have given their lives for this religious system. 
Like they, they're trying so hard to abide by the rules that they actually even create more rules to help them not break the other rules. And then on the other hand, the people that are swarming in from all over to listen to Jesus, these are the sinners, these are the tax collectors. Can you feel the tension? This dichotomy spiritually. Can you feel the tension? Because in the early days of Jesus' ministry, when he's just starting out, he went like viral amongst the religious community. In the early days, it was just religious people that swarmed Jesus. And then something along the course of his ministry, his audience began to change dramatically. It moved from saints gathering around Jesus to sinners gathering around Jesus. And Luke 15 says that the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and even eats with them. See, what we're about to study over the next several weeks is Jesus's rebuttal to this situation. He is about to set the record straight because somewhere along the way, the Pharisees had misinterpreted why Jesus came to earth. Now think for a moment, if you you were to answer that question, why did Jesus come to planet earth? Why did Jesus, God, become man and walk amongst us? Because these guys who studied scripture, they had no idea. So as they're watching Jesus, they're going, there's no way. There's no way that this could be the God, the Messiah. There's no way because look who he is drawing to himself. But I want to read for you a quick story where Jesus is creating his team. He's pulling together his group of disciples. And there's an account in Luke chapter 5. If you got your Bible open to Luke chapter 5. And there's an account where Jesus has an interesting dialogue with another tax collector. Luke 5, chapter 27 says this. Later, Jesus left the town. He saw a tax collector by the name of Levi. Some of your Bibles might say Matthew. It's the same guy. It's not a typo. Named Levi sitting at his tax collector's booth. His H&R block. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. Verse 28, so Levi got up, he left everything, and he followed him. Remember, this is a tax collector, and Jesus just invited this man, remember what a tax collector is, to be his disciple, somebody that would go throughout life with Jesus. And verse 29 says, later, Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as a guest of honor. Many of Levi's fellow tax collectors, they all came over and other guests also ate with them. But verse 30 says, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law complained bitterly to Jesus's disciples. Why do you eat and drink with such scum? Jesus heard this and he answered, Healthy people don't need a doctor. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. And then verse 32, listen, this is why he's come. This is his mission statement. He says, I have come to call not those who think they are religious. He's talking to the Pharisees and probably to many of us. But those 
who know they are sinners and need to repent. So this is just happening just moments before Jesus eloquently communicates the story of the prodigal son. Jesus, just, just moments before this, he's, he's pulling together his posse and he goes, hey, you tax collector. Yeah, you. I, come and follow me and be my disciple. Come, come tax collector. Like the, the, the guys that are, are stealing from our community, like, like the guy who lives down the street from me that I can't even look in the eyes. You want that guy to follow you? And, and Jesus is saying, you, you're perfect to join my team. Like I, want, I want you to follow me. And, and, and the Bible says that Levi or Matthew, same person, he, he gets up and he follows Jesus. He becomes his disciple. Let, let me fast forward. This disciple, Matthew, becomes one of Jesus' closest men. He writes portions of the New Testament. The books of the Bible that you study, he helped pen. This man, a tax collector, gets invited to follow Jesus. And Jesus says, hey, not only that, but the reason why I came was not to call those who think they are righteous. But I actually came to call people who know they need repentance. I wonder, did the Pharisees forget why Jesus came? I wonder, have you missed sight of why Jesus came? In, in, your, in your efforts to do good, in your efforts to study and to pray and to grow in the Lord, have you forgotten why Jesus came? Have you forgotten when Jesus is just thinking and he's pondering? Have you forgot who he obsesses over? Because the Bible's about to be very clear that it's not you and But it's people that are lost that do not know him. I don't know about you, but I'm extremely glad for a God who obsesses over lost people. I don't know about you, but I'm one of those lost people that he came and he found me in my brokenness. The weight of my sin. And he said, I got a purpose for you. I got plans for you. You can celebrate that because that's your story. The Pharisees couldn't understand the kind of kindness that this man Jesus extended to sinners. I love what the book of Romans says in Romans 2, 4. He says this. He says, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Who? You. Nudge your neighbor and say, you. He says, does this mean anything to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? You see, Jesus is there at this moment. The reason he's enjoying these disgusting people. It's people that society would want to outcast and push away. The reason he's leaning in and he's loving these people is he knows, man, if they can just get a little dose of my kindness, if they can just see how, how much I love them, if they can just see that I got a plan for them and that there's nobody that is too far from me, I just know that they won't be able to leave my presence the same. And I'm wondering if some of you are coming into this room going, man, I just feel broken and distant from God. 
I wonder if for a moment you could realize that the God that we worship here at Red Rocks Church, the, the God that we want to follow and we want to be like, he's a God who is a friend to sinners. This God befriends sinners because he knows that when he befriends them, they won't have a choice but to follow him. I'm grateful for the kindness of God. Jesus made disciples by befriending sinners. I love Luke 30, Luke 5:30 says this, but the Pharisees, their teachers of religious law, complained bitterly. Why do you eat with such scum? Jesus, why do you spend time with these people? You see, a few chapters later in Luke 19, Jesus goes, man, just in case you guys didn't get this all. Like Pharisees, in case you just didn't hear why I do what I do. I, I, I want to I I just like compound the moment and show you, and I want to do this again. And in Luke 19, verse 1, Jesus has an encounter with another man. But this time the Bible says that he's not just a tax collector, but he is a chief tax collector. And it says this in verse 1, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. Verse 2, there was a man there named Zacchaeus. Some of you know the song, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Come on, church kids, I love it. But the Bible says he was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very, very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. Shout out to the short people. Verse 4 says, so he ran ahead. He climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, and Jesus was going to pass by that way. And when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and he called him by name. What's interesting is Zacchaeus' name means clean and pure. The, the man who wasn't just a tax collector, but he was a chief tax collector. Jesus looks up to this man in a tree, a short guy climbing a tree, just trying to catch a, a glance at Jesus. And he says, hey, Zacchaeus, clean one, pure one. Would you come down? Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. And look what he says. I must be a guest in your home today. I must be a guest in your home today. Verse 6 said, Zacchaeus climbed down and he ran to Jesus. Took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But look what it says in verse 7. But the people, the people were displeased. He, he's gone to be a guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Verse 9, Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a, a true son of Abraham. Verse 10, he says it again, he's like, and just in case you didn't get it in the verses previously, for the son of man came to seek and to save those who are lost. Hey friends, this is all throughout scriptures. Jesus is a guy that is, is in the company of sinners. He is befriending people that don't belong. 
to the outcast, he says, you are going to be my friend and we're going to get along great. To the broken one, the one that is disenfranchised, disconnected, the one that doesn't fit, the one that is screwed up time and time again, Jesus says, I want you. I want to do life with you. I got plans for you. I wonder when was the last time that you considered the kindness of God? I love what John 20, 21 says. Band, you can come up. It says, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so, I'm sending you. You see, it's really important for us to see why Jesus came to, to dwell among us. If you, if you miss the mission, if you lose sight of the vision, vision leaks. And so we could just miss sight of it in the busyness of life. But if we lose sight of why Jesus came, you'll miss sight of why you are here. Jesus says, listen, it's it, the same reason that God sent me into this world. Now I'm going to take you, all of the Christ followers, the sinners, the broken, the messed up. I'm going to take you. I'm going to love you back to life. And I'm going to send you back into the world for the same exact reason why I came in the first place. I wonder what's your circle look like? Are you a friend of sinners? Are you a friend to those that are far from God? Or do you just keep the company of other religious people? Friends, don't lose sight. There's one day we're gonna all die. We're gone. Our days are limited and there are people in your life that the world would say they are, they're scum. And Jesus is going, no, I put them on your street so you could love them. I put them in your office. I know they're annoying. Get to know their story. That family member that you just can't even stand being in the room with. Don't be a Pharisee. Be a Jesus. Be a Jesus. Jesus is one that befriends sinners. And the message as you read throughout Jesus' life, you see that the reason he was a friend of sinners is he wanted the world to know that this religion, this faith, is for everybody. It doesn't matter where you're coming from. It doesn't matter what you're struggling with in this moment. This faith of following Jesus is for everybody. And so this whole series, as we're, we're calling it Welcome Home, we're saying Welcome Home because anybody and everybody is welcome here in this place. His mission is our mission. Jesus took the fellowship of people that shouldn't necessarily have belonged, but that's grace. The Bible says that grace is unmerited favor. You can't earn it. You can't deserve it. And so the minute that you think that you can earn it, like the religious Pharisees, it no longer is grace anymore. And so there's some people in your life, there's people in my life, we get an opportunity as a church to welcome in prodigals, welcome in people that don't belong, and to extend grace to them. I love what the Bible says. It just reiterates that this is a faith for everybody. Romans 10, 9 through 13 says, 
if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You want to be a friend of Jesus? Right there. That's how you do it. That's it. That's so simple. And it says this, for it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. And as the scripture tells us, anyone who, anyone who trusts him will never be disgraced. Jew or Gentile, they're the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. Verse 13 says for everyone. Who? Everyone. Come on, who? For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Here's why it's important that you go out this week and you invite as many people as you can to this place. We should have standing room only because the news of Jesus Christ is so, so good. Anybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So that person you thought was just too far gone, would you text them? The person in your life that you just go, they'll never consider religion. Can you just reach out to them? Get them here. Do whatever you got to do. Rip the roof off. Kick the doors open. Pay them. Just get them here because over the next few weeks, we are going to be rolling out the red carpet for everybody that doesn't belong. Everybody with the past. Everybody that's broken. Everybody that's been disenfranchised. If there was ever a home for a sinner... My prayer is that it is the house of God. If there's ever a home for somebody that is broken, my prayer is that it is this house. My prayer is that if there's ever a home for a prodigal, that it's this place. My prayer is that if there's ever a home for an addict, for the disenfranchised, for the poor, for the refugee, for the hurting, can we make it this place? Come on, can we make it this place? Would you stand up at all of our locations if you are able? It's this message that is why we get to say, whatever your story is in this place, you're loved, you're valued, you are accepted because Jesus says you are loved, you are valued, and you are accepted. Would you bow your head with me? If you're in here today and maybe you just feel distant from God, maybe you've already made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, but you just feel like there's something that is disconnecting you and separating you from experiencing the purposes of God and the love of God, I want to pray for you today. And I also want to pray for those of you that have never placed your faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe you felt like you need to clean yourself up before you could ever do this whole Jesus thing. It is the message of Jesus Christ that says you have no need to clean yourself up. Just become my friend and I will help do the cleaning for you. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, Lord, right now I just want to pray for every single person in this place, God, that has forgotten that you are a friend to them in their low points. God, for those of us that have already placed our faith in Jesus Christ, but we feel distant and disconnected, I pray today by your spirit, God, that you would remind us that you, Jesus Christ, are the friend of sinners. 
And God, that a, a friend of Jesus becomes a disciple of Jesus just because of how kind you are. And in this moment right now, if you have never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, I want to I pray for you. And if you would, I want to ask you to do something really bold with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, would you do something really courageous? And right now, would you lift your hand at all of our locations, at Brussels, at Arvada, Austin, Texas, Lakewood, God behind bars. Would you just lift up your hand? Because I want to pray for you, God, in this moment, your word says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord of our lives, and we believe that you died upon a cross and you were raised again, we can be friends of God. We can be saved, we can be forgiven of every one of our sins, and we get the blessing of heaven forever. God, in this moment, I want to pray for each person. Would you change them? Would you, as they become friends of God, through your kindness, Lord, would you change them in this moment? And God, I pray that this weekend, every single person at Red Rocks Church would feel the burden to just get somebody through these doors as we proclaim the goodness that Jesus Christ came to proclaim that he is not one that just saves sinners, but he's one that befriends them. And in this moment, God, we want to celebrate every single person as a church family that put their faith in you for the very first time. We celebrate them right now. Thank you, Jesus, for becoming our friend. We love you and we praise you. And it's in the precious name of Jesus Christ that everybody at Red Rocks Church said, Come on, Red Rocks, let us worship the friend of sinners.